ship for Hapworth Atar. And welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is British for spoil the ship for a half penny's worth of tar, uh, meaning to ruin something for the sake of a small profit, something we hope does not happen this weekend, but we shall see. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? Uh, pretty good. How much tar is worth it? Like, at what stage does the does the the you know the risk reward on that one flip over to like, oh, actually, you did ruin that ship, but that's that's quite a lot of tar. A half penny probably doesn't buy you very much tar these days. Probably a half penny, especially after Brexit. Boom. <laughs> uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. Jesus. How are you, Rob? Kick them while they're down, Drew. God, <laughs> rock, your euros is bad enough. Sorry, Rob. Go on. Not bad. I was just I was just enjoying uh, listening to Drew. Sound like he was about to launch into the Jack Aubrey speech uh, from Master and Commander. You want to see a guillotine in Piccadilly Square? It's <laughs> great. I feel like I'm back there already. Sounded a bit like a uh, Jared Butler in Phantom of the Opera. I like it. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, uh, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, uh, we recommend listening to our preseason primer episode, which assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. Uh, if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 137. Also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons uh, that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff, uh, head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 or click the link in the show notes. Uh, what do we got going on this month, Danny? Yeah, I recorded yesterday our first track walk for the Media Pass holders in the new F1 video game, which I'll be talking Ooh. about today as well on the podcast. Um, so that was fun. Spun around uh, Silverstone and spun around, actually, as it turns oh, out. Um, so that'll be up uh, pretty soon because it's already in the can. Um, we also have a W Series exclusive podcast coming out this month. Uh, there have been two W Series races so far this year in Austria. I believe they're at Silverstone. Is that right? Yes. One more this weekend. Terrific. So we'll have three. So uh, the guys thought it'd be a good idea if we did a, I, I wouldn't call it a primer. It's probably going to be more of a, I guess, a light introduction and also an appraisal maybe, or, or sort of like what our takes are of how this season has been going. Um, Drew's been sort of diligently watching everything. I've caught one of the races and Rob is sort of catching up as well. So we're, we're going to come in with sort of the the, the energy of exploration with W Series. Um, so if you want access to that, and of course, at this stage, God, dozens of podcasts about pre-primers and film reviews and all that sort of stuff. Head over to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash shift F1. Uh, shout out to all of this month's incredible uh, sponsors. Look at all these beautiful names. Jason Kelly, Will Rumpf, Umberto Roca, Troy Stammer, Circuit Demon. We are still, don't worry, Circuit Demon, that wine video, it's going it's gonna to be baller. <laughs> it's coming. Um, Reagan, Sam G, Connor McManners. Joel Roberts, Abraham Getchell, Jason Chadwick, Abdullah Althani, Bailey Foote, Jack Ben, Greg Salt, BPM, Drew Stewart, Lika, Simon Villeneuve, and Pierce Draper. Thank you all so much for keeping uh, this podcast on tracks and rich energy in our back pockets. Do you remember when I said a couple of weeks ago I saw rich energy somewhere and I could not figure out where it was? Uh-huh. Did I then tell you what it was? 
You figured out where I you were. I don't, it was. A, I found it was in an MMA league. <laughs> I'm not sure if I mentioned that, but I was rewatching not, a separate a a lower tier MMA league. It's not. This is not UFC. Correct. It is. Um, <laughs> it is some sort of tournament. It is. I think it's the professional fight league. Is it PFL? That's Great. also the player football. Is it? Is it PF? Yeah. Whatever. Um, I think it's. I think it's that. It's like a sort of a uh, tournament based um, a fighting association. But uh, yeah, rich energy, and it's the ring girls. I think is where I saw it. They were holding up the the one round and the you know two what? rounds. This totally board. tracks. Yeah, it's it's way closer to. I think the sort of uh, cosmic horror of Rich Energy's um, <laughs> vibe than F1 sort of is. So uh, congratulations to those guys, I guess. There is a Rich Energy book coming out soon, so That's right. maybe there's a an addendum all about MMA. Who knows? Well, uh, speaking of weird sports and games, Danny, you <laughs> have been playing one particular video agame. Yeah. Uh, for F1 2021. I kind of want to. I'll give you a little bit of my impressions and open the floor to you guys because it's these games are always so like incremental that there's always like tweaks and changes here and there, and it's hard to sort of talk about all of them. Also, uh, the Shift F1 uh, audience, hello to all of you, especially those of you who have come on this season, probably due to Drive to Survive. Um, you may not know this, but this uh, podcast was originally on a video game website under the name alt f1 so uh, there's a significant portion of our audience i i would say it's i would say if half of our audience met the other half of our audience they'd kind of be like huh <laughs> <laughs> both of them would be uh-huh. um I, I, you know a decent amount of our audience are sort of you know we're part of the um uh, you know giant bomb expanded universe uh in many ways because of the history of the podcast um uh, although Rob also makes it part of the Waypoint Expanded Universe, which is as well. part of the extended Giant Bomb Universe. So, well, yes, that's a good point. Yeah, there's a whole so, chart. Yeah, it all. Yeah, exactly. Consult the uh, Venn diagram, please. Um. So, uh, but then also, of course, there's a lot of people who have, don't care about video games at all. So, um, this is a tricky uh, <laughs> segment. So, I'll do my best. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. So- I think it fits right in with that with with Drive to Survive because it it allows it's like this accessible thing that you can participate in um and in a way to i don't know to learn about the sport and also like if i will toss in i think there's a long history of people being like racing game players without considering themselves really like video gamers right like i mean jeff Crammond is a classic jeff Crammond is also a dad classic yeah <laughs> it's it's got it's got that energy uh, that and also like to be honest there is definitely a connection for some people between video games and sports fandom like you know i learned everything about i knew about lots of foreign you know non-native irish sports which is every sport (laughs) through video games um uh, including f1 like jeff crammond on the amiga was was my gateway and my sister's love for that is what got me into watching uh, f1 as a kid um so yeah maybe that's the case and i do feel like f1 2021 um is trying maybe to do some of that here. So this is the new video game. It's out on basically everything. I was playing it on PC on my race wheel, my race seat. Um, it is available on PlayStation 3, uh, sorry, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Uh, uh, but it is also available on the new consoles if you can grab one, PS5 and Xbox Series X slash S. Um, it, uh, it you know looks the part and runs way better on those. Load times on PC as well are absolutely 
nothing, uh, which is great. Um, and it's, you know, similar to the previous Codemasters games. Um, uh, so I'll probably just talk about the things that are different. Uh, they've done a significant overhaul to uh, stuff like the damage model on this one, which I think is one of the most interesting parts. You can damage the floor of the car. You can damage the side pods. The delamination of tires is perhaps the coolest thing I have seen in a video game in a while. Um they, you know, in the old game, if you broke a wheel, it would just do the blah, 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 and then come off thing. Now it does the whole, oh, it's like, it's rotating. Is it getting worse? Is it getting worse? Oh, no, I see it coming off. Oh, no, oh, no. It's like oh, flapping wow. and tearing and doing all yeah. this stuff. Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty neat. Um, When you lose the damage as well on those parts of the car, it can, like, increase your drag and, and, and stuff like that. Um, Looks better, a lot more detail in the levels. The sound has gotten an upgrade too. There's that great little electronic whine off the transmission that you get on these cars. You know, that's sort of like the the top, the top of the 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 power unit going like the e, which kind of sits there. It's like it's way more um, uh, apparent. Uh, They've overhauled a lot of the UI, so the menus are a bit confusing if you're used to the old games. And but the on-screen UI is way better. Um, They almost kind of go for a Halo style center. UI, um, which has everything uh, there for you. Um, the biggest addition is that they have this mode called Breaking Point, B R A K I N G, which is a kind of full blown story mode. They had something in F one twenty nineteen. Yeah, this is the return of Devin Butler. Devin Butler is literally in this, um, uh, but but it this this mode I think is. It's very different because I think that was just in career mode, if I'm right. It was a tutorial to start off a career. So, like, you would start doing, like, the last, not even, the like, three full races in F2. It was instead, like, here's a moment from your final season in F2. Dastardly Devin Butler runs you off the road. Uh, and then, like, each of these points, he'd sort of talk shit to you in the garage. And then there was, like, a gallant uh, version. Like, there was your good teammate as well, like, your other, your bro. <laughs> Um, He's on the other shoulder. <laughs> yeah. But either way, you all went into Formula One and they became drivers uh, in your career. But there was no more narrative stuff. Like occasionally Devin would send you an email like, you know, heard you ain't shit, mate. And you'd be like, <laughs> damn you, Devin Butler. Uh, well, in this one, you play as the uh, equally, I don't know, boringly named uh, Aiden Jackson. Um, uh, that is uh, a video game character name. That, yeah, for sure. There's more. There's more people, and I'm from Ireland, right? But there's more people called Aiden in video games than there is in our in the world. Um, <laughs> uh, you are Devin Butler's in this as well. And he's like shit talking you, and it's a similar thing. You start off in F two. The the last the first race of the game is Abu Dhabi, um, and you're racing against like you know Sergio set a camera and all these drivers. Um, uh, in in F two. In F2, yeah, but it's like the 2019 season. So like Rock Mahoneth and a bunch of other people are in there. And I was like, wait, what What are you doing here? <laughs> um, so this the, the the career mode, I guess, goes from the, I believe it's the start of the, sorry, the end of the F2 season to the end of the 2021 season. Um, and yeah, it's it's like really high production value in terms of the cutscenes, the facial animation, all that sort of stuff looks pretty incredible. The writing is, you know, hammy. I I didn't care necessarily. It's it's proper pulp. You know what I mean? Like Aiden Jackson is like he is the most childlike of F one child's racers you could imagine. He is so wet behind the ears. There's like sponges behind there. Um, and his teammate Casper Ackman is kind of like I was trying to think of what he's he's like a journeyman who's basically sort of like 
you know, brought in and is, you know, he's he's number one driver, but he's there to like, you know, he's Aiden, Aiden's, Aiden had posters of him up in his room. And I was trying to figure out like what drivers he actually like. He's kind of like, like a, a less, he's somewhere between a Joss Verstappen and a Valtteri Bottas. He's like a, he's like a, you know, angry old Scandinavian man, but but also a little bit like he's not like a firebrand. He's kind of you know he'll get angry, but he's trying to like keep it in. Um, and the way the career, the story mode works is that you are getting these moments, which is kind of like how they had a scenario mode in one of the games a few years ago, where you know you'd be like, oh, you've just had a puncture, you're pitting, but your strategy means that you're going to be faster than everyone else. There's ten laps left. Try and get in the points, something like that. Um. That's kind of what happens in this one where there's like inciting incidents. You'll be driving to do something and then a cutscene will happen like mid-race and then you'll take over again. Um, and it's That's neat. Cool. I, like I'm into it so far. I think it's it pro- provides good variety. And I think if you're new to these games, I think it's a really good jumping off point because it will sort of um, help uh, you you know, get to grips with what makes the racing interesting in these games, which is always you know not just trying to win it's you know strategy and beating the drivers around you and that type of thing um i might i haven't been playing that long i've only been playing for like a day i have seen way more like incidents in this game than i've ever seen in one of the the other games like the ai is is way better there's now like an expert expert mode it's like 110% difficulty or something where the ai is super dialed in there's an extra expert difficulty mode which unlocks a bunch more options but like they also like make faults like i was i was it's taking i was on the second lesmo in monza and it was sonoda <clears throat> so it was like a train of us sonoda gasly someone else and then me norris behind and we're all going to get drs you know exiting the second um lesmo turn and uh sonoda just touches too much of the curb and the back of the car goes oh, and wow. i'd never seen that like a, like an error by a driver in these games and he spun and like we all were like trying to like move around him and then as that happened i went further up the road i was like then it was a yellow flag and i thought it was for that but it was actually hamilton who had just had a tire come off his car and he was like flapping and it was rubber everywhere and i was like oh this is like i wonder if they've just turned up the cool shit happens dial michael bay slider yeah, because I've I've had a bunch of like little bits uh, like that happen, but it's always it's still early days, so who knows? Does it feel like it's like about commensurate with the types and number of incidents you see in an F one race? Or uh... well, that, I was actually remarking on that because I was thinking last year was and this year have been kind of mad. You know what I mean? There's actually been a lot of incidents. It's, so like, yeah, it's so tough to gauge. I, I feel like uh, one of the big changes they made in uh, gosh was a twenty. 20s where i started to feel like the they'd really tried to make some steps with their driver ai and those guys would be like much more willing to risk contact uh with you and so i was seeing that generate a lot of stuff but yeah like i can't think of a time where i've seen a guy just get a corner a little bit wrong and like wipe it out in the way that like yeah. you see a lot um but I, I wonder if there's some like left for dead style race director ai director stuff going on because i've also i saw videos online yesterday of like somebody on the straight in baku uh in the wet in like sort of actually mixed wet dry and as he was driving down the straight he like went to block off and then perez sort of went to make a, a a changing move got on the wet and then ended up 
having like a correction and crashing because of it. So yeah, I do wonder um, how that's how that's all common. Uh, what would you say, Danny, is like a um, uh, the the assessment here for someone who maybe doesn't play a lot of racing games? Um, I, I but don't is know into F one and like has a video game console or just wants to to play a driving game. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the entry level is going to feel like on this because I'm so far past it at this stage. It's always hard to put yourself back in those shoes. Um, I feel like the breaking point could be a fun way of doing it. Um, if you don't have a wheel, uh, these games have been generally decent on uh, controllers. Uh, I suspect if you have uh, both new consoles, would be great because they'll have the adaptive triggers, which means you can feather the throttle so you don't have to just like drive really fast. But they have like bunches of, um, you know, uh usability options to help you like you know anti-lock brakes or uh, traction control brake assist turning assist even so they they there is you know stuff there to help you which in the past at least uh, has been really helpful to me and you know every year i try and take off one or two more of the things so i think i'm just down to braking assist now but i don't drive at racing lines anymore or you know have any of the rest of traction control on or any of that sort of stuff um but that's easier when you're on a race setup because you can you can correct stuff and i will say that the back end of the car in this one does feel like it's much more slippery uh, which is fun i think it's it, it it punishes you more for running over curbs or for you know just not having ideal traction through corners in a way that like corner cutting never really did in those games you know you have to corner cut pretty blatantly to corner cutting almost became a strategy like you know what i'll just cut the <laughs> chicane at monza and right. get a couple of seconds on this person um yeah so i i think maybe i i think those games were solid in the past at that and there's nothing in this to make me think otherwise um yeah i like it the one thing i'll say is that it's a little bit weird with the tracks this year because obviously i mean last year was also weird like when you race the 2020 season in this game it will have all of the normal races presumably and also people in the stands um but uh so it's like an alternate universe which i guess it is anyway because it's this it's all these fake drivers in it uh, although i should say that aside from the three drivers i've mentioned in the career mode the rest of the drivers are all real and obviously if you're doing a normal race the rest of the drivers are all real they also have F- f2 in the game but it's last year's cars so they're patching in apparently f2 for this year uh, they're also, I think, patching in the two changes which are not in this game. So the uh, Sector 3 in Catalonia has not been updated and the Melbourne changes that were due to happen, which I'm not even sure if they are now because the race has been called off. Maybe they still are in Sector 2. That stuff isn't in it either. Apparently they're patching that. Um, they're also patching in uh, three races. I bet, is it Imola, Portimao, and what's the other one that we're getting this year? That we didn't have. Are they giving Magellan? Nineteen. I don't think it's two Italian ones. Sure. I think. Yeah. I'm not Saudi sure. Arabia? But anyway. Mm. You're right, Jeddah. Yeah, they don't have Jeddah in either. Yeah. So, so those are those three are getting patched in at some stage this year. Um. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Just COVID nineteen developing from home, all that sort of stuff. I imagine this was maybe worst case scenario for those folks because they were developing from home. Uh, while they were trying to make the new console version of these games which is always really tricky um but yeah i'm loving it it's really good like every year i buy the new one because i spend so much time on these games um and instantly this is like feels like it feels like a bigger jump i think for me anyway it feels like a bigger jump in quality than the past three at least maybe four 
Um, so yeah, I'm super happy with it. It's great. It looks looks and sounds fantastic, and um, I'm way into the AI and the way the car feels in this one. Um, and and like honestly as well, like the real world racing we've had this year is just way better for for this type of game because like you would play the old game, you play last year's game, and Alex Albon was like fighting for first position. You're like, that's eh, not really real, but like I guess they had to like have some sort of you know battle happening up there. Whereas this year. You know, the mid-pack is bananas. I was fighting for first with, like, Perez and Bottas and Hamilton was out and Norris was in the mix. You know what I mean? And it felt like, oh, yeah, this is this feels real. Like, this is this season's been like that. It's It's been more competitive up and down. So I'm into it. Did you have a question, Rob? Yeah, I did. Um, how are they handling the ERS system these days? I remember two years ago, it was really involved where you'd be like, discharge at this rate harvest at this rate you could like really fine-tune it then they claimed that uh lando norris told them like we don't really mess with all that stuff in the car and that was a way to i don't know if that's true but like what the result was they gave you a very coarse grained like you can go to high medium low basically for urs deployment um have they changed that again or is it basically still just like choose like one of four settings for urs and let it ride so an interesting thing happened to me when I was tinkering with the settings was that for some reason when I'm playing at the moment, I wasn't able to change two things. One was the Ur's uh, rate, which I think was the harvesting. I I'm, I think it was the harvesting rate, um, which is, if for people who don't know, that's the rate at which you're basically the electronic sort of system in the car is, uh, you know, engaging the brakes when you're braking them or on straights and and basically putting power back into that you know it's like putting the domino on your on your back wheel for your light or your front wheel for your light on your bike you put it on the light turns on you take it off although you can't do that mid bike race whatever bad metaphor um <laughs> but yeah so, it's it's like the flywheel system that charges the battery there we go there and we then go. you can you know de- deploy that energy uh sounds like different ways across these games yeah, so I think in this one, the deployment is still there, but I couldn't access it. And I also couldn't access the um, fuel rate for whatever reason. It was grayed out. So I need to tinker and find out what the deal is there. Um, but otherwise, it was very similar. The one thing I had trouble with was that the DRS deployment um, icon is a big button that just says, like, for me, it says 10 because I'm using a race wheel. So it's saying hit button 10. But it's big and green, so I, to me, I thought it said DRS is, like, on. So it, to me, it reads, like, on, so I keep double tapping to... And I'm like, no, that means hit the button, not the button's activated. So I've had to <laughs> sort of reset my brain on that one a little bit. Um, uh, you can also damage the DRS. I guess that happened in the earlier games, I think, where sometimes the DRS would just be open, and you couldn't... You had you had to fix it. Um, you had to go into the pits to have it fixed. That had to happen once or twice, I think. Um, and also, you can break the... F- back wing in this one the rear wing but it's not that realistic like i've had a couple of big shunts where the rear ring would absolutely come off and it didn't um so i i'd have to report back to you on that rob i i they have trimmed out some of that stuff like i think you have access to fewer things in the car if you have set the difficulty a certain way um and i usually like go towards expert but i think for some of the races i was in i was going into like a uh medium difficulty setting and then changing up the way so maybe that's the case they've also like changed a lot of the ui stuff so it can get a little confusing if you're coming in from last year's game to know where everything is and like they've obfuscated some of the stuff like the session lengths are just now very short short medium long and full which is the same as before three 
laps, five laps, 25%, 50 or 100. So I don't know why they've done that. It says it in the corner, the detailed, but I guess they're trying to make it more accessible, maybe. All right. Well, um, for one, uh, one version of Formula One to another potential version of Formula One, Rob, what's been going on with Georgie Boy? Mr. Russell Watch. Yeah, Russell Watch is officially on uh, because <laughs> it is so funny. I was talking about this with um, Drew yesterday when we were doing our prep call. And like an hour after that, after that or maybe right before bed, I opened uh, like Feedly and I saw yet another report. Race fans, they will not be announcing. Uh, Mercedes say they will now not announce Russell as new driver at Silverstone. <laughs> and it's like so now we are now officially reporting on when things will not be happening um <laughs> and that is the level of attention he's getting but he is like he is now probably the hottest commodity uh in f1 in part because he is the only one whose like future is really unknown like a lot of the other drivers of his generation are signed to longer contracts he is not um so autosport did a very uh nice feature about him basically talking about uh, going beyond his really remarkable record of completely blanking his teammates uh, in terms of qualifying performance, but also talking to uh, a lot of people at Williams who were basically, uh, you know, talking him up to the press, including Latifi. Uh, You know, talking about like what an excellent team leader he is, uh, what a major part of Williams' still in progress resurgence like it does seem like hey they're ahead of Haas I'm not sure how far they really have come uh but they're going out of the way to credit him with a lot of uh the gains they have made but it does seem like the the thing that caught my eye is you know Helmut Marco uh decided to stir the pot because Red Bull and Mercedes always have to stir each other's pot um <laughs> but Marco uh, was talking about that if Mercedes did not uh, promote Russell to the main team and uh, he became a free con- a free agent at the end of this year, uh, Red Bull would pretty much have to uh, consider signing him. Uh, but and I'm quoting from Autosport here. Marco stressed that he did not think Mercedes would make the mistake of letting Russell go, making the prospect of an approach by Red Bull highly unlikely. Quote, Russell is certainly worth considering with the performance he is now showing at Williams. The only thing is, that's so utopian, because if Mercedes let him go, that would be such a faux pas that I honestly can't imagine it. Uh, Marco added that he assumed Russell would be driving for Mercedes in 2022 when asked if Red Bull would make an offer. Uh, if, if, if Russell wasn't, Marco replied, if I am informed correctly, then that is not relevant. Mm. Uh, so you certainly have Red Bull intimating that some deal is already basically done. Um, and we are now just like hashing out timing. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it certainly seems like it is kind of Fisher cut bait time uh, for Mercedes and Russell. And right now his reputation is such that a lot of people seem to think that it would be a uh, wildly, uh, let's see, future, probably a destructive decision for the future to just like let Russell go. Um, but once again, I am kind of sitting here like if he didn't go to Mercedes, who, where could he go that Mercedes was actually be kicking themselves that he wasn't in their car? Uh, because I think beyond that promotion opportunity, I'm still not sure there's a ton of great 
other options up and down the grid, certainly not at uh, constructor teams. Um, Williams have basically said they would love to extend him uh, to a, to a long-term contract um, and hope that they can continue the work they've done with him. Uh, but yeah, so this has become like silly season now revolves around this guy and, uh, and Valtteri. And certainly it seems like the feeling of the F1 grid is that, it is now time past time to promote Russell, uh, but kind of depends on whether Mercedes really want to mess with a formula that's been dominant for years. Yeah. And with Russell kind of being left with not a lot of options, uh, it's either, you know, stay at Williams or go to what? Like, that's the um, thing i I was trying to see where like where the hole ends up being here in a place that he'll care about i could see kimmy moving on after this year i think that's been the case for a couple of years it's a pretty lateral move though 100 percent, yeah like especially when williams is is frankly looking much much better in terms of management and potential um you know recovery I mean, yeah. you can only go up really from where Williams is at. But and, and aside from that, I'm not really sure where it is. Like the only other spot I can think of is like maybe McLaren get petulant with Ricardo, but that's not going to happen next year. I think he's going to have to tank it for two seasons if they're going to make that call. Everything else is like there's so many built like we had so much changing last year and there's so many new building periods for these teams that like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. Mercedes is kind of the only option at this moment. Yeah, so the, I think they can kind of... <laughs> They hold all the cards. They can say, you know what? We are going to sign Valtteri for one more year here. So just uh, sit tight, Russell. Um, Because he's not like there's nowhere for him to go. So they can they can control that narrative. Why do you keep Bottas for another year? Like, I don't Especially this year. Like, I think I think he's I think he's writing his own check out of here would be my dread, though, is um, like too early. No, I think, well, I, I do think it is now tough because it's like the thing about it being pastime is that at this point, everyone will expect Russell to wherever he goes, just show up and immediately kick ass. And like, if he has a Ricardo like learning curve, uh, people will be talking about him as if he's the next like Stoffel Van Dorn, right? Where it's like, ooh, right. what happened to all that promise? Um, add a year to that. It's a worse scenario, yeah. right? Like they are shit or get off the pot. I'm sorry, <laughs> much more vulgar version of your was it Fisher Cup bait, Pastor yeah. Fisher Cup bait. Uh, but um, yeah, the, but the other thing I think you have to worry a little bit about is um, what if he shows up and completely swamps Hamilton? It's not beyond possibility. Like, remember how weird the vibe got? Now Alonso's a very different dude than Hamilton was when he was coming. Like, they're both very different personalities, but like, it can be super weird. When like the new guy shows up and completely uh, like takes over as the lead driver in terms of results, um, you're saying this is what happened when Hamilton came into the sport and was Alonso's teammate. It wasn't quite that cut and dried, but he okay. was brought in as a like developing talent, and then he quickly started uh, beating the hell out of Alonso, um, and it turned into kind of a war within the team. Um, and admittedly, very different vibe around that team very different personalities but uh yeah i think it's it's a weird thing where like russell might be poised to grow at a faster rate than like mercedes would really be comfortable uh with with managing during the closing stages of hamilton's career 
Yeah, I'd say if if Russell is signed for Mercedes for 2022, I will be pleasantly surprised. I think okay. that's kind of my my. I'll be surprised if he isn't at this stage. Okay. How long is Vettel signed for? Um, I think it hasn't been said, but I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think it's only. It has not been confirmed that it was a multi-year. Only seat where I could maybe see them being like, eh, you know, the setup's been fine, but like that's not a bad call. We're I don't pretty think sure Stroll this guy wants could get the heat. I th- I don't think Lance wants Lawrence wants Lance getting compared to Russell every week. The two the two young bucks. He'll he'll be at least Vettel is a is a you know elder statesman of the sport. If he can, and I think, Lance I think can beat Vettel him is the occasionally. Yeah, that's yeah exactly yeah. yeah so but i mean look like right now Bottas is fifth in the championship you know what i mean after not that many races what are we seven eight uh nine i think actually um like it's not great he's not he's he's writing his ticket out of uh, out of that team i think at the moment so yeah i mean I th- mercedes I think- could be looking at the constructor standings going like mm, we're in second totally. Valtteri. that sure yeah. would be nice if we had like russell up here getting us points because like Perez, you're like, okay, right, but F1, but uh, both of those cars are good. But like Norris is above him. Like, right. I think, to me, I think the next, I th- not to be melodramatic about it, but I really do think all eyes are going to, like if this is Russell and Hamilton and Lewis's home race, if Bottas doesn't, if Bottas has a bad weekend at Silverstone, I think he's going to ha- have a real difficult time trying to, pull this pull this season out in time for when those decisions are made God, what if they just do a flip what if it's mid-season no i mean but i mean like at the end of the season valtteri going home to williams uh continuing the work he started there like it just oh, turns wow. into a complete uh like rotation of i could uh, totally see that i can see him just not getting a seat like i i i don't i like Williams, I can see being desperate enough to do it. Like, I don't think he's had the results. Like, he, I, I don't think he threatened in a in a way that is relevant, and I don't think he has the mentality either. And I, I like him, and I know Drew, you, you were definitely a big fan of him in his pre Mercedes days. But, um, I wouldn't be surprised if if he. There's just too much young talent and too much prospects for people yeah. to be paying for for that that ticket. Uh, you know, I. It might be a bit extreme, but I, I, you know, I think this is like his most critical season by far. Well, um, speaking of Silverstone and changing things, we are going to see something very different yeah. this weekend. Um, sprint qualifying. We've talked about it a little bit in the past. Um, they are trialing this at three races this year uh, f1 hasn't confirmed the other races but the rumors are that it's going to be italy and brazil um and this is a it's a it's a just a different style of qualifying than we are used to so instead of the grid being determined by qualifying this weekend it will be determined by how everyone finishes in the sprint qualifying session which is in effect a short race it will be a standing start no pit stops and about a third of uh, the full race distance, so expect it to take like 30 to 45 minutes. Um, the grid for the sprint qualifying is set by a regular qualifying session, so Q1, Q2, Q3, uh, as usual. 
um, with the one difference being that um, everyone has to use soft tires for each uh, session. Um, so instead of those three practice sessions, then qualifying in the race, we're going to have on Friday, one practice, one, and then qualifying Saturday is another practice. And then the sprint qualifying, which again, the grid for which is set by the first qualifying session. And then finally the full race on Sunday, uh, pole position, interestingly is officially awarded to the winner of sprint qualifying. And the top three in sprint qualifying get points. Three, two, one for first, second, and third. Um, so pole position is set is not the entire grid set? Uh, it is, but okay. the, the, the actual classification for pole position ah. does not come from Q3. It comes from the end of sprint qualifying. Right. So the because big question no here, right? Are they doing are they doing a normal three qualifying? Yeah, qualification on Friday. on Friday. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the big question here is why are they doing this? Um, and it's basically just to get more eyeballs. Uh, right now, there is not much reason to watch F one on Friday since it's just two practice sessions. If you put qualifying there, and you have something exciting on both Saturday and Sunday, the thinking goes. Uh, that brings viewers to three days instead of just two. Um, it, it's worth pointing out that this does not just mean TV viewers, but also might mean more people buying tickets for Friday and Saturday uh, at the tracks themselves rather than just like a, a Sunday ticket. Um, my my opinion on this, my expectation is that um, I'm I'm a little worried because the current qualifying system leads to some cars over or underperforming, which can scramble the field uh, in a fun way. It's, f- it's fun to watch a driver in a good car work their way through the field or, uh, you know, an underdog fend off stronger rivals. There's a possibility that by holding what is essentially the first third of a race, that all the cards that were shuffled get neatly arranged before the full race starts, leading to, you know, much less passing. The fast cars just are at the front and they go fast and no one ever catches them. Um, It could also mean, however, that drivers who don't do so well in qualifying generally, but do excel in race conditions will have their race craft rewarded with a higher grid spot for the real race. So theoretically, this could mean that the final standings are a better reflection of how good each driver is at racing. Um, Another bullish argument is that because it's a much shorter distance, drivers won't need to manage their tires as much and instead will just attack constantly. Um, And that kind of dovetails with uh, my next point here, which is that sprint qualifying does have this added opportunity for drivers to take dumb risks and make mistakes, which could be fun. But it could also mean that everyone is super cautious and that nothing really happens. So I am curious about this, <laughs> but maybe not optimistic. I, I don't know. Danny, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, I mean, I think you have. So I think this is great. I think this is great. And the reason why I think it's great has nothing to do with the specifics of it. Because I think as fans of sports, and this is in every sport, I think we're all sort of experts and we want it to be good. And when change happens, 
there is a tendency to think, oh, it'll be bad for these reasons or it might be good for these reasons. Ultimately, nobody ever knows. And what F1's doing is they're trying something out. And if you have been a fan of F1 for any length of time, you know that they never, ever do this. They never mix it up. They never try and see if something might be cool. What I like about this is that they haven't brought it in for the whole season. They're doing it at a couple of select tracks and we'll kind of see. And you're right, like any one of those four options or a, a, a mixed match of them all might be the end result. Um, I don't, I, you know, I, I've been sort of thinking about it, like what, you know, what can happen. Any given race, it could be a procession or it could be there could be a massive crash on the second lap of this sprint race, which completely determines the course of the whole weekend. And it's impossible. And and that won't be down to the fact that there was a sprint race. That'll be down to some other factor, which nobody could have ever, ever thought about. So for me, I'm just happy they're doing it. And I'm interested to see how it turns out. Um, The one thing that I'm not so sure of, and we had an email from uh, Una, I believe it was, who was asking about what, why why there are practice sessions and if they have any influence over the order they go into qualifying. Uh, and this person's obviously, uh, is they said that they're new to F1. So uh, the, the answer to that question is no. Practice is basically to dial in the car, to get used to the circuit, to practice, to, to set up your car for qualifying. There's no actual knock-on effects. And when they do the who is fastest in qualifying thing, that's it's, it's like some sort of gauge of how in the practice. cars are doing. Yeah, but it's not, yeah, in practice, but it's not, it doesn't lead to anything. Um, But there are people like that, of course, who are already finding the format confusing. And I find this format confusing. So I worry that this format might be a bit too much for new fans to like digest because it's like a lot. But that's my only concern. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad they're doing something, man. (laughs) Hmm. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I think... In F1 around this, I've seen there is honestly a, a race to be right about this. Like you see various yeah. drivers and team owners being like, well, here's why it's not going to work. But the reasons vary. And the people who think it's going to work are also making varied arguments. The, the truth is, Pierre Gasly gave an interview where he basically said, we don't know. He's skeptical of the idea, but he's like, look, we shouldn't rush to judgment. He's like, we shouldn't even. I, I like that Pierre said this. He was like, we shouldn't even judge how this race goes. He was like, we should wait. We're going to have a sample size of three. Let's see how the three races uh, all go before yeah. we like figure this out. If it improves the show, who cares? Um, and that's kind of where I'm at as well. I think it's kind of awkward timing because right now we're in one of those windows where everyone's <laughs> like, see, Formula One isn't broken. You don't need to fix it. And it's like, let's flash back to six months ago. You know, yeah. let's let's well, six months ago, nobody's racing, but like uh, nine months ago uh, or, or so. There were stages of last season and there have been stages, uh, you know, in, you know, at many points in the last few years where the racing has not been particularly uh, engaging. We've kind of been thirsting for um, not only more on track action, but more races. They're not being decided just by stint management um, and a little bit more of like drivers going for it. Or in the case of uh, Mercedes, them dialing their car in to win qualifying yeah. so they didn't have to worry about the race That's so a good much. good point. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I expect from this. I could see it being um, a complete damn squib. Like, that everyone's going to be like, whatever you do, don't bin the car during the yeah. qualifying race. Like, just just get it, <laughs> bring it home. We'll be fine. 
I could see it going that way um, and it being disappointing. But the thing is, and, I, and, and this is what I suspect would probably piss off the teams that generally are doing well, is if they get caught up in midfielders just grabbing with both hands the opportunity that the sprint <laughs> race provides. And like, yeah. you know, we had we had like two weeks of drama when Russell and uh, Batas uh, had their uh, run in at Imola. I can only imagine just the rending of garments that will ensue if like Max is taken out by an Alfa Romeo. Uh, like people <laughs> will lose their minds. They'll be like, this, this isn't what F1 should be about. And I'm kind of like, maybe it should. Maybe this is cool. <laughs> hey, can I make a prediction based on what Rob just said? Russell gets in the top 10. But doesn't get points because they don't give points to, <laughs> to end in sprint races. Oh man, I, I do want to push back on one thing you said, Danny. Uh, before the Liberty Media days, they would try stuff, but they wouldn't tell anybody or ask anyone's opinion. It was just Bernie would just say, "Hey, we're changing qualifying. It sucks now. Enjoy." And then they would wait for it to crater and then they would just change it back yeah well i remember that that big qualifying change was like the one was the first time in my memory of modern f1 where they actually did even make that type of change but when bernie had a good idea like let's hose the track down midway through a race everyone was like okay grandpa time for bed and (laughs) we should you know this was the moment where like you know you can tell the difference between a, hack, a hawk and a handsaw. Let let yeah. let him get out there with the guard nose and set up the slip and slide for F one. But we wouldn't do <laughs> like, it. Like I'm still I'm still there. I'm still there. We're yep. okay when Mother Nature decides it's time to rain. We're, we're all ears. But when you know the fans on some sort of weird Twitter poll decide when turn three gets a spray down, uh, <laughs> it's like too artificial. God. No, we need to we need to open the door for wacky races here well yeah and i think i bring that up just because i i I like the way that f1 is doing this all right we're gonna do we're gonna try three and we're gonna see how it goes um and i and i believe ross braun when he says that um he the uh the f1 managing director of motorsports says um in this article from formula one itself quote i'm not sure this format would be as successful at monaco uh we're considering these weekends being grand slam events spread through the season so it is something different i don't think it will go to the whole season i think it'll be uh, a limited number of races but that is to be decided so you know if if we do like half of the weekends are have sprint qualifying in them and the other half are, are traditional qualifying i don't know let's try it yeah. i do agree though danny that this is going to be a complicating factor for new viewers uh, so I, I hope that it's it's easily explained, <clears throat> though. You said you watched a video that uh, did not do so well. <laughs> oh, my God. It. Yeah, dude, they put up a they put up. I think they I think they did an explanation of um, sprint races maybe a few months back on the F on the F1 YouTube channel. But, you know, in Chamber, it is a great video, of course. All he always does. Um, but they put up a video on like maybe it's a 70 second video on the F1 YouTube channel says like explaining sprint races and it does not explain sprint. i was like after 70 <laughs> seconds being like what the what the fuck did i like it was a designed by committee video where I, it, just bad script so the whole comments were just, just like 
what? <laughs> wow. Um, so hopefully we've done a better job of explaining. Um, although we didn't do it in 70 seconds. I'll, I'll link uh, I'll link that and I'll link the chain bear video as well. Um, some other tidbits here about how this weekend's going to go. Uh, as we said, qualifying will be soft tires. Regular qualifying, the Q1, Q2, Q3, which happens on Friday, that will be soft tires only. For sprint qualifying, you get to choose whatever set you want, and you're not doing a pit, so it's one set of tires for that. Um, and then you also get to choose whatever you want for the race. So none of that Q, you know, Q2, is the, ti- the time you set on that needs to be the race tire. No, 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 you get to start on whatever you want for the race as well. Um, the sprint qualifying session will be 100 kilometers, which is, again, about a third of the race distance. There is no podium ceremony for the top three in sprint qualifying, but you, uh, the winner does get a, uh, a trophy much like they do for pole position and apparently. a bottle of champagne to spray in their own bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it's also sprint qualifying is, is I think they're tr- really trying to downplay. Like this is not a race. They, it is, they don't call it sprint races. They call them sprint qualifying. There is no anthem beforehand. Again, there's no podium. Um, the teams also, I think, will be allowed to spend above the cost cap to repair damage sustained in sprint qualifying. And in addition, F1 is paying each team 500 grand just for taking part in the sprint qualifying sessions this year. Uh, we should have entered. Running costs. Mm. I know. Uh, so that is sprint qualifying. Um, they should have more get fun with to, Like no anthems, but let the drivers pick walkout music. So like oh whoever gosh. wins, like you don't get a, you don't get a podium ceremony, but they do the whole like reliever coming in the ninth, where like a door opens and out comes Kimi Raikkonen. Like just imagine it. What's he got playing though? Fog machines, um, you know. Some, oh, yeah, back in black. Some, yeah, yeah, something. <laughs> Dude, I'm always surprised by like whenever they have walking music for like sports, people are always just pick the dumbest, stupidest, like. Uh, stupid in like a not interesting way just like a song that like gets them pumped like ufc Saliva. or whatever yeah there's one guy yeah exactly there's there's one dude though called uh taito ivasa who's a, i think he's a kiwi he um he ha- was fighting this past weekend he walked out to if you want to be my lover by the spice girls <laughs> <laughs> and he's like a heavyweight dude with like you know tattoos all over himself and he comes out like just like dancing to it and the whole place was like oh i was like why doesn't everyone do that so you can only do walkouts if if it's gonna be like some bangers from the squared circle to the twisty bits of silverstone danny you want to give us a quick rundown of this hallowed ground yeah there's a lot to take in with the sprint so i'm gonna keep this uh brief uh from the squared circle to the tricky triangle as it were, because uh, Silverstone, of course, <laughs> no, yeah, actually, maybe I shouldn't have said that. The, uh, the, the, what's it? What's a British word for tricky? The awkward, the awkward triangle. <laughs> oh yeah, um, yes, yes, yes. Oh, um, it's a uh, Silverstone, which is an old RAF base, which is why you have all these straights. It was three runways. That sort of typical old style uh, military airport with the the triangle of runways. Um, so that all the planes could crash into each other when they were taking off, I guess. Um, uh, which is why you have parts of this track, like the Hangar Straight, for instance. Uh, a lot of these straights are based on, I think the one between Brooklyn's and Arena is also another one of them. Um, but anyway, this this track is uh, very complex. Um, it is an 18-turn clockwise track. It has two 
DRS zones in it. Uh, one in sector one and one between sort of sector two and three right near the end, or I guess the start of sector three. Um, but it's mostly defined by high-speed corners. Um, this is a track with, uh, you know, a lot of straights in it, like kind of three or four main straights. Um, but a lot of high-speed corners between those straights, which we generally don't get. So tires by the end of this lap running pretty hot. Uh, probably the most famous part of this track is the Maggots and Beckett, Beckett's sorry, section of uh of uh, twisty turns that are taken at quite high you know speed quite high gears you're taking maggots at probably in seventh um uh, and beckett's is a couple of downshifts when you're exiting down at the chapel but um super super fast uh fast turns into fast straights means that there's lots of opportunities for people to not exit uh in the sort of optimal way and then get caught on a straightaway um there are some low-speed corners. There's a famous one right before the end of the the, the race uh, called Vale. Um, but um, generally, you're talking about um, fast cars doing well here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, acceleration is one thing, but cars with, with top good top speed t- generally tend to do quite well at Silverstone. Um, so, you know, in years past, that was very much a Mercedes situation. Uh, this year, it's a little bit muddier. So we'll we'll see. Um, but this will be a better track for Mercedes than certainly Austria was. Um, Mercedes yeah. also has um, apparently a number of upgrades coming to this race. They have said that like their their focus is on 2022 now, but that doesn't mean that upgrades still aren't coming. Uh, and this is apparently one of their bigger ones um, that they have had planned uh, before. Um, last year, they also renamed the pit straight, the new pit straight, I should say, because they changed it about, I think it was, I think it might be, might be 10 years ago. I think it was 2011 when they changed the uh, the pit straight from between turns eight and nine, Woodcott and Cops, to between what is now 18 and one. Um club and abbey they built a whole new sort of stadium section there if you watch w series they'll probably start on the other grid because there is another grid still and i think moto gp i forget where they start from um but uh they renamed it to hamilton straight um and i can't remember if they did that before last year's race it was last year and we did race there twice last year because they also had the was it the 150 or the something out of 50th anniversary grand prix or something they did i forget what it was um but uh, yeah, it's, it's very much Hamilton's home race. You know, if, if Austria was orange, um, you're going to see a lot of Hamilton fans in the stands. Um, hopefully, a few of them as possible with the Delta variant, which is currently ravaging Britain. Uh, one thing you won't see, which is uncharacteristic of the UK, uh, is rain this weekend. I'm looking at um, 0% chance for qualifying and the race. Um, but the temps... Uh, just balmy at 74 degrees Fahrenheit or 23 degrees qualifying day. Um, and on the race day, uh, just a few degrees warmer at uh, 77 and 25. Wind um, for both days. Well, qualifying day, uh, a little, I don't know, reasonably high, nine miles an hour, 14 kilometers an hour, uh, and a little slower on race day. So um, maybe that'll play a part. Who can say? Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's Silverstone. Let's just run down the driver standings here as we head into the weekend. Max Verstappen is on top. Lewis Hamilton just behind with 182 points and 150 points, respectively. Sergio Perez is in third with 104. Lando Norris, as you mentioned, Danny, in fourth with 101. Valtteri Bottas is in fifth with 92, followed by Charles Leclerc with 62. 
Carlos Sainz with 60, Daniel Ricciardo with 40, Pierre Gasly with 39, and Sebastian Vettel in 10th with 30. Alonso has 20, Stroll has 14, Ocon has 12, Tsunoda has 9, and then a tie with uh, Kimi Raikkonen and his teammate Antonio Giovinazzi with one point in 15th place. Behind them, Russell, Schumacher, Mazepin, and Latifi all have zero. In Constructors, Red Bull is on top with 286 to Mercedes's 242. Ooh. McLaren is in uh, third with 141, followed by Ferrari with 122. Then we jump down to fifth place. Alpha Tauri has 48. Aston Martin has 44. Alpine has 32. And then a big gap down to Alfa Romeo in eighth with two points. And Williams and Haas have zero. Uh, should we take it to uh, some emails, Danny? Let's do it. Shift to phone podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. Uh, one quick note from Paul in the Netherlands. Uh, on W. Sorry, on WTF, uh, WTF1, I've never said WTF1 out loud. I've been going to their stuff for a long time. I never actually said it, so it was tricky to say it there. Um, Paul says uh, they have a page they update on their site with penalty points standing after each race. There's also a break of uh, what the points were collected for and what when they were collected. So, Drew, if you wouldn't mind sticking that in the show notes. Sure. Um Thanks, Paul. Yeah, super handy, that one. It was a couple of places people sent us, but that was the one that sort of um, seemed to work the best for me. Um, This next question from uh, somebody who I forgot to take their name down, so I'll get that in a second. Um, Hey, friends, love the pod. It's served to get me interested in the sport to begin with and has been an essential listener for the past couple of years. So thanks for that. Thanks for listening. Uh, My question is one I keep thinking about as we visit new tracks, complain about old ones, and ponder what we can do to make the sport less of a procession. Who designed these tracks anyway? Who makes the call about how many turns to put in, how long a lap should be, and how wide the la- uh, lanes should be? FAA must have some kind of oversight slash accreditation, right? Considering how much of what makes a good race is so dependent on the track, I'm curious to know how they come to exist in the first place and whether someone uh, or whether something about how they're built should change. Thanks again. Um, so I, I, th- I thought this was a great question. It's something we've... Uh, definitely tackled in the past but i feel like it's been a little while since we've sort of had that conversation um so for me i think so i sorry so i did a bunch of research basically just sort of um you know re-familiarize with the process of how this happens obviously it's very very different for each circuit there's a lot of different stakeholders involved for each one of these circuits um there's a lot of different budgets involved for these uh these things um the main sort of point person for a lot of these rebuilds over the past few years has been herman tilke who is a ex-race car driver himself um who turned into a circuit designer and is responsible for Uh, the vast majority of the new tracks added to F1 over the past 15, 20 years. Um, And uh, I I can break it down in sort of like three big sections, I guess, of like how they they sort of tackle this whole thing. Um, First of all, the topography of where the site is is apparently like super important. Um, There are some ways in which they can like level out ground and change stuff. But for instance, the, you know, Austin, where they had that big hill at the start, right? elements like that where you know you're basically working with the um the topography the layout of the track in terms of how wide the lanes are how much runoff there is um they have a uh, system called csas circuit safety analysis system which is a simulator that they use to basically sort of 
predetermine a lot of that sort of stuff but apparently there's major budgeting issues with this stuff too especially if it's a track where they want to have weekend drivers come you know what i mean so paul ricard for instance way more runoff way more like a different type of runoff instead of gravel they have that stuff that slows you down but you can drive out of um as opposed to say you know a i don't know like a like Austin, I guess, doesn't have as much of that. Yes, Marina has a lot of that sort of stuff too. Um, So that's a big part of it as well. Um, And then like the biggest issue in terms of like where it's set and how many uh, turn the turns and all that sort of stuff is now dictated a lot more by spectator sight lines than it was in the past. So they have all these uh, systems they use to make sure that, you know, there Austin is another great example of this, where there's lots of stands where you can see multiple parts of the track. Um, but obviously this depends uh, track by track. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, this is only mostly the case for the new tracks. When it comes to the old tracks, they've obviously changed a lot of stuff. They've built new stands over the years and a lot of tracks as well to sort of take advantage of some of this stuff. They've tweaked tracks. Um, but most of that stuff comes down for the new stuff. And then the last thing is that basically budget, budget, budget is the biggest part of this. Um, how much they're able to, to spend, how, you know, how long the tracks are is a big part of that. How much money they have to run the circuits is another thing in terms of the amount of grandstands they have, in terms of the amount of facilities they have, and just in terms of the amount of, um, like, square footage of concrete that gets put down um, because running costs are associated with the size of the facility. So it's not a simple thing. It's super, super complex. It's different for every single one. You're They're often serving multiple masters, F1, MotoGP, other racing series, weekend drives, how much it's going to cost now, how much local government's going to you know pay to keep this thing running in the future, lots of things like that, loads of different stakeholders, um, which is why maybe you don't end up with tracks all the time that are perfect for F1 only, because there's lots of other things that these tracks need to do um, to stay relevant. And then in 20 years' time, they all go bankrupt, and you know they get government money, and then we keep going around and around. That's how it works. Yeah, or they fall off the map. Right, yeah, exactly, and then come back. <laughs> right. Fingers crossed, Malaysia. Exactly, yeah. God, we got Turkey back. Not bad. Uh, Rob, you want to get this one? Yeah. Uh, Will writes, Firstly, I'm a big fan of the show and I love listening every week. Some of my favorite segments over the recent years have been Rob's views on Ferrari, views I can't help but agree with. So I'd love to hear his current thoughts on Ferrari's progress this season after his adamant no. When asked by Drew if a world was possible where they secure third in the Constructors' Championship in 2021. Also, I'm finding this year to be quite an interesting one within the Ferrari team, with some potentially funny ramifications for the coming years. In 2019, Leclerc joined the team and bested Vettel. In 2015, Vettel took over Alonso's seat and dominated Raikkonen, who similarly got the better of Massa in 2007. With only two points between Leclerc and Sainz following the Austrian GP, how do you think Ferrari would react if Leclerc loses the battle with his teammate, given that he's still contracted with the team until at least the end of 2024? So, I think you're asking, the you're in the right direction. I don't think that is actually a big problem for Ferrari. Uh, I do think a problem for a Ferrari might be that they invested a lot in Leclerc, possibly prematurely like they signed him to an unusually long contract based on what was still a lot of spec right like he had not he had shown some real promise but i do not think he had established himself as the second coming of uh a michael schumacher or a lewis hamilton or and this is i think the lottery they're really playing for what they expect max verstappen is going to turn into they won one of their own i think 
where this works out okay for Ferrari is Sainz is still a reasonably young driver too. Um, he's fairly personable. Like if he ends up being a star in that Ferrari and overshadowing Leclerc a little bit, I don't think that causes a major problem. It's not as if what you've got is some sort of boring charisma void, stealing all the thunder uh, for your appointed heir uh, to, to the team. I think it gets awkward if you end up in a situation where Leclerc doesn't, if Right now, I would say Leclerc is delivering on reasonable expectations. I don't think you can actually say that he's he's uh, screwing up at Ferrari. But I could see, like, one bad season away, I think the narrative really changes on him. That contract starts to look uh, a bit like a lead anchor. Um, so I, I am kind of curious what that how they end up feeling about that Leclerc contract uh, over time because they certainly jumped early and with both feet. Um as far as the team's progress, I'm actually more optimistic about Ferrari than I've been in ages. Uh, I, I still think mm. like they're in a rebuild phase. Um, they own that too. But I think where in previous years they've kind of been in this desperate... Um, it's a bit like when you're really behind on a deadline. Now, I'm speaking speculatively here. This doesn't happen to me. But it's a bit like when you're really behind on a deadline and you've uh-huh. barely even started the project, really. And maybe <laughs> even it's totally fucked. But you make outlandish promises about, like, you'll, you're you going to deliver it Wednesday. It's going to be fine. Like, you, you don't even worry about it. You don't need to. I, you know, I can't even show you. I don't want to show you the thing early in progress. It's work in progress. <laughs> like, I want to show you the final pro- product. And it'll be great. Let's just talk. Let's just circle back Monday. Um, I feel like that's where Ferrari ended up in previous years where they tended to make, uh, they, they tended to try and speak and act like a team that was expecting to be at the forefront of the sport at a time when it was clear that like they were really struggling to stay up there. And in fact, the one time they kind of managed to make a real fight of it for the championship, they were trying to exploit a loophole, uh, in like fuel sensor technologies. Like this is a team that fronted a lot um, and I think in kind of the fallout from an embarrassing couple of years, um, they actually moved to a mode of under-promising and over-delivering. I think their results have not been stellar this year either. They've had some nice races, but I think the narrative is different because they basically came into the season being like, hey, if we get anything, we'll be happy. Um, and I think longer term... It feels like they're making some good choices about like how to organize the team around the people they've got rather than around the ghost of the Schumacher uh, taught era or around the ghost of whatever uh, Marcioni's plan for the team was going to be. Uh, it feels mm-hmm. like they are finally a team that's like, here are the principal characters we have. What do we do with them? Um, and it feels like they're working their way toward that. I think if Ferrari has a problem, it's going to be corporate politics uh, that will be external to F1. Uh, but I don't think the call is coming from inside the house anymore. All right. Yeah, I, I agree with everything uh, you said, Rob. And I, I, I think it's maybe one of the underreported stories is this, this, uh, this stemming of the plugging of the leak i think at ferrari um and it's it's cool to see them not floundering as much and uh and yeah and having some good performances um 
Is that it for emails? That is it. I see uh, Brendan here was the one that um, asked the question yes. about the tracks. Thank you, Brendan. Sorry to get you in late. Well, we got you in. Thank you to Brendan. Yes. If you'd like to send us an email, you could do so via shiftf1podcast at gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. Uh, you can also join our uh, fantasy league with the link in the show notes or hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Danny O'Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That is us around the internet. Should we take it around the world? Let's race around the world. Yeah. Around the world this week, we are racing in Estonia, where the World Rally Championship is there for uh, a four-day event. Uh, U.S. Formula 4 is having their round four at the Brainerd International Raceway. Uh, Formula 2 will be supporting Formula 1 at Silverstone this week. The IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is at uh, Lime Rock in... Um, Lakeville, Connecticut for the Northeast Grand Prix Lime Rock. Lime Rock, NASCAR, not, li- not Limestone. That would be dangerous. <laughs> that track would suffer greatly after a couple of years of rain. Uh, I, I, yeah, Lime Rock, one of my favorite genres. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity <laughs> is in uh, Loudoun, New Hampshire. Am I pronouncing that right, Rob? I don't know. I think you are, but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> New ha- New Hampshire. I mean, yeah, I'm Loudon. still somebody who was stunned to discover that it's Weymouth, not Weymouth. Um, Weymouth. Weymouth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Xfinity Series is in that town in New Hampshire for the uh, Am Better Get Vaccinated 200. Am Better. Please spell whatever came out of your mouth. A M B E T T E R. I'm like better. I, I am better after I, I got vaccinated. I'm better, but without the I. It's not like AMPM or sponsoring the vaccines or something. Just right. Could, just all right. I, I'm better. Just I'm better. better. How you doing, Danny? I'm better. I mean, the vaccine doesn't make you better. It's not like <laughs> you get sick and you take well, whatever. It keeps you. Yes. I mean, better I'll, than you would have been. It should be the I'll be fine. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> the, the World Endurance Championship. Uh, it's been a long episode. Uh, is that the Autodromo Nazionale Monza for the six hours of Monza? Uh, motocross is at the Oz Motocross Circuit in the Netherlands for the, the Wizard MXGP. of Oz, the land of Oz. <laughs> Watch out for those flying monkeys. Uh, Super GT is at Twin Ring Motegi in the Tochigi Prefecture. Ooh. I'm not picturing the circuit walk for the yellow brick road. Uh, It gets pretty tight here. The yellow brick road begins winding into the spiral around the red brick road. Now, this weekend, Michael Massey has clarified the red brick road is exceeding track limits. And so we will probably see a lot of drivers with their times deleted when they hit that spiral. (laughs) Um, uh, NASCAR is also in Loudoun. For the Foxwoods Resort Casino 301. And uh, you too can place your bets for the British Grand Prix this weekend. Got some weird times here. Eastern time, 9.30 a.m. on ESPN2 is free practice one. Then qualifying the same day at 1 p.m. on ESPNU. Doable. Saturday... We'll see free practice three 
at 7 a.m. on ESPN2, followed by Sprint Qualifying at 11.30 a.m., also on ESPN2. And then the race, everyone, Sunday, July 18th, 10 a.m. on ESPN. This is going to be weird. I'm excited. Yep, should be fun. We'll see what happens. I like Silverstone. It's a good time. It is. Uh, final thoughts uh, on this, Rob? I'm sorry. Are we not going to talk about the fact that Lando got mugged at the at Wembley? Oh, oh Lando I got saw mugged. that. Yeah, right after right after the uh, football final. Uh, apparently, like possibly right after he posted the sad picture of like, sorry you didn't bring it home, England or whatever. He got mugged outside the stadium, and somebody took his um, like special McLaren watch. Um, Ugh. And yeah. Like he's fine, uh, but somebody just somebody just lifted his watch. Don't be that wearing sucks. a forty thousand dollar apparently forty thousand pounds watch. This ever. is it's a perfect example of like, man, some things you only have because you're rich enough that you can afford to lose them. Or in this case, yeah, exactly. Somebody will just give another one to you uh, because you're basically a walking billboard. Yeah, that's that still sucks though. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Hopefully it wasn't, uh, you know. I'm sure it wasn't. I'd, was it a I, It's all the muggings in London that I've been a part of have been knives, and you, it's not as scary. So, God, I'm, that's well. me not mugging people, by the way. Just in case that wasn't <laughs> clear. When I used right, to, well. when I was a cut person in the South End, <laughs> uh, I used a knife, Danny O'Dwyer. First, I was mugged in my hometown with a uh, with a with a with a uh, like a spreading knife. And I laughed. Like a butter knife? Yeah, like a butter knife. Yeah, pulled out a butter knife. And I remember years later thinking, or probably days later thinking, I should have said something cool like, what are you going to do, spread me? But I I was just, I was scared, but not that scared. So I just ran. I was during the daytime. I mean, it's still like, the point is, if somebody's like, I'm going to really hurt you with this thing, Mm. I'm still concerned even it's a butter knife. Because it's like... That guy's got a piece of steel. He's going to try to poke into parts of me. Yeah, all I had was a spatula. (laughs) Everyone just walking (laughs) through Ireland with various kitchen implements. It's a law. You need to have at least one because you never know when a stew needs to be made. So, you know, just you have to be ready to deal with a block of Kerrygold at the drop of a dime. (laughs) Just dude, when I found out they had Kerrygold over here, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And it's like the most popular butter. Like they have everything here. They've Dubliner cheese. It's ridiculous. It's like I'm back in the old country. Magners. Yeah. Magners. We call it Bullimers back home, but that's fine. Guinness. Straight out yeah, of the can with the Nitro widget, just like back they home. They brew it in Baltimore now, like 50 miles from where, where I lived in Maryland. They does have it a taste Guinness different factory. than it does in the old country? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, it does, but like, does it? Like, yeah, but also does it. Okay, so this year, <laughs> the Daniel Ricardo wine bottle. Next year, Guinness tasting in Ireland. Yeah, we need to, we need to find out a reason to get there. We'll interview Eddie Irvine or something. And Eddie Jordan. And yeah, exactly. The two Eddies. We only are all of our F1 drivers are Eddies. Grand Design starring Eddie Irvine. (laughs) Okay, we need to end this podcast. If you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, you can do so at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week.
if you press play on Dark Side of the Moon as they cross timing and scoring on the yellow brick road, uh, it's a pretty life changing experience. <laughs>